0: Welcome to all those joining us for Chaim Aran. We're continuing the Shir from Yerushalayim today, Baruch Hashem. The last Shir we left off in paragraph Yud Dalid in the Hebrew versions of Chaim Aran, in the section Sihhois Hashayochem Lahatoyrois, the discussions that surrounded the chapters of Likut Imran. In the English version Tzadik, it was paragraph 140, we're in middle of, we were in the middle of that paragraph. Rav right is writing here about chapter 20 in Likud Emran and chapter 21 in Likud Emran. And he mentioned the fact that Rav Nilsen had yortzite for his mother and it was a leap year and Rav Nilsen had forgotten the yortzite and his mother came to him and reminded him of it and he immediately called a minion together. He learned Mishnayis, Kaddish, lit a candle for her, and called a minion together also, and led the Tfilois from beginning to end of the Shachris, which he said he had never done before in his life. Interesting that we're speaking about this now. Tonight, here in Eretz Yisrael. it's almost Shkia, In a few minutes, it's going to be Shkia. It's Yud of Kislev, the Yorzeit of my Rebbe Horef ben Siem, Rabbi Israel Abes Rabbi Rosenfeld, and we 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 dedicate the Shir Le'ilo Nishmasay, and also for a complete refuah Shalema for all those that need it, including David Leib ben Shena, Edith bas Miriam Brindel, Avi Vilano bas Yisbendel, Sorochal bas Yuspendel, Yisbendel bas Gituleya. Yaakov Yehoshua ben Freindel Rechel, Toiba Bas Jonas ben Hilda, Shira Dvoira Bas Miriam Avigail brocha Bas Shira Dvoira, Shar Yisrael. writes now that that in the in the chapter on the Kutiya Ran, Rav mentions that it was around this time that his daughter, Fega, had passed away. We mentioned this in the previous year. Rabbeinazel was traveling. He didn't know about it through any physical means. He knew about it through Ruach HaKodesh, and it wasn't revealed to him until much later when he sat for an hour following the Halacha. But aliyah is here now that it seems to me, based on our understanding, that his daughter Faga, that had passed away, was named after Rabbi Nizal's mother Faga. And the chapter in Likud chapter 20, where Rabbi Nizal speaks about a special neshama from which all the bi'uriyat Torah come from, and that neshama experiences major bitterness, marirus, and, and that sometimes that neshama has to pass away. Rav Zal says, it appears to me that that was also related to this whole story about Rabbein mother coming to him at that time because his mother was a great tzaddikis. Rav Zal says, I, I once heard from Rabbein that his mother was a balas ruach ha-kodesh. And Rav Zal says that all of Rabbein words and the stories that we tell over about him there isn't any one of them that doesn't have very deep, awesome secrets related to it, especially regarding the things that his children, that Rabbein went through with his children, because he writes that Rabbein children were in the category of those who are above the 600,000 neshamaists of the Jews we find Rabbi Nezal speaks about this in a short chapter on the Kutimran, Toirarei and Gimel, chapter 273. Rabbi Nezal says there that there are children that are born into the world, standard children, and they generally, their neshama is come from the Kiseakovoid, which is associated with the Olam HaBriya. However, Rabbi Nezal says, there are Bnei Aliyah gedolemoid. There are very, very high-level neshamays that are born that are above those standard neshamays, because the standard neshamays are referred to as the shishim riboy, the six hundred thousand neshamays. And even though there are more than that, there are more Jews than six hundred thousand today. There are millions. That's because they they're, they're sparks. These neshamays, as a result of the begam of and eating from Yitzhadas, the neshamas got split up, and, and a person today doesn't necessarily have an entire neshama. They could have part of an neshama. But Rabbi Nezal says, these neshamas that we're speaking about now, that are above these 600,000, when they appear in this world, they're not, really, they're not really the type. They're not really accustomed, and they don't really belong in this world and they're not considered part of this world. And Rabbenazal said, they are in the category of the children of Moshe Rabbeinu, about which the Pusik says, rabu That the children of Rechavia, Rechavia was the son of Eliezer. Moshe Rabbeinu had two sons, Gershom and Eliezer. And the Navi tells us that Eliezer had one son, Rechavia. And yet the Pusik says, the children, the descendants of Rechavia multiplied above. And the Gemara says in Brochus, above what? More than 600,000 that came from him. And Rabbi Enzal explains this. It doesn't mean necessarily physically more than 600,000. It means that those souls that came from there, were above the 600,000 standard souls. Those souls it's brought come from Atzilus, from the highest one of the four worlds. This came about as a result of the fact, the Gemara explains there in Brachas that at one point Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, step aside, let me destroy the Jewish people and I'll bring forth a great nation from you. And even though, even though Moshe did not step aside, but rather Moshe was mispalel to Hashem, and he got Hashem to revoke that decree, because Hashem said those words, I'll bring forth a great nation from you, greater than this nation, it had to be fulfilled, and it was fulfilled in this form, in the form of this Pesach, u'benei rechaviyo rabu lamala, that Moshe Rabbeinu was to more than the six hundred thousand, greater neshamos that were greater than the six hundred thousand, and Rab Noson that Rabbeinu children, it seems, were very, very extraordinary, had tremendous holiness to them, and that's why they went through the incredible struggles and difficulties that they went through, and yet Rab Noson Hashem should have pity on them from here on in. That those that remained, the remaining descendants of Rabbein Ezal, should have life and arichas and veshonem long life, and Hashem should bestow His bracha on them and their descendants till the end of all the generations. With this, we conclude paragraph fourteen yudalit. Now Rab Noson continues, and he says that regarding chapter twenty in Likutei Moran where Rabbein speaks a lot about the incredible specialness of Eretz Yisroel. And Rabbein said that that's the real victory of a Jew, when Wezer was to come to Eretz Yisroel. At the time that Rabbein said the Torah, he elaborated on this more. And Rabbein points out that when he originally gave this she'er, he began with that. He started off speaking about Eretz Yisroel. And he said... Mi a person who wants to be a real Jew, which means that this person doesn't want to stay on one level, but rather the person wants to constantly be going higher from one level to the next. It's impossible to achieve that without, without Eretz Yisroel. And Rabbein Hazal said, U, And when a person succeeds and they win the battle, their Zorcha Teretz then the person is called Ish-Milchama, a true warrior. Because before the person succeeds, the Torah says, A person who's putting on his belt, He's preparing to go out to battle. He's putting on his belt on which he has his sword, his weapons. Cannot be proud like a person who's removing his belt, meaning a person who already is coming back from battle. It's only when a person is to win the war, then he's a real warrior. Now note, interestingly, Rabbi Nizal visited Eretz Yisrael. He did not remain in Eretz Yisroel. Rav Zal also visited Eretz Yisroel. He didn't remain in Eretz Yisroel. However, Rabbi, both Rav Zal and Rav Zal encouraged their Talmidim to go to Eretz Yisroel. Rav Zal's son, Rabbi Yitzchak, came to Eretz Yisroel at the age of 60, I believe, and was zechut to write letters from Eretz Yisroel describing how special it was. He was in Tzfas at the time, he was in Meiron for, for Lag Boimer, and wrote incredible letters about how privileged he felt to be in Eretz Yisroel. My Rebbe, Rav Rosenfeld, of Avrocha, had received a special bracha from his Rebbe, Rav Avrom who saw how deep Rav Rosenfeld's love for Eretz Yisroel was. He told him that Eretz Yisroel is holy, but what you're doing in America is Kodesh Kodoshim, it's holier. You need to go back and you need to accomplish what you're what you're going to accomplish there. However, because you love Eretz Yisrael so much, I give you a bracha, you should be able to come often. And he made over 50 trips to Eretz Yisrael in those days, in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. When it wasn't popular like today, it was nowhere near as easy as today. And the, the money for the trips wasn't as easy. But thanks to many of his students, especially the Syrians, the Sephardim, who very often were able to sponsor a trip, he made sure to go throughout the year. And during the summers, he would spend the entire summer, nine, ten weeks in Eretz in, in basking in the light of Eretz israel and filling up his engines with the Kiddusha, with the light of Eretz Yisrael, to be able to go back to America and be able to pass that light, the light and holiness of Eretz Yisrael, to all those that he taught. Rav Zal continues that when Rav gave this shir, chapter 20 in Likud Imran, he started speaking about Eretz Yisrael, and then he went on to speak about a certain special neshama. And Rav Zal writes, that when Rabbeinu Sal started speaking about this neshama, he became very fiery and he raised his voice and he said, yes, neshama, there is a certain special neshama that all the bi'uri Torah toira all the explanations of Torah that Sadiq can present in the world, they draw from this neshama. And, and he said, this neshama has to experience a lot of bitterness. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu's sister, Miriam, in her merit, Chlal Yisrael had the Be'er. Be'er means a well. a well. A well is a source of water, like the source of the waters of Torah that came in the merit of this holy neshama, Miriam. And Miriam is Milosh mar, bitterness. But Rav Nossazal writes that when Rav wrote this Torah, he began speaking about... He began from the neshama and only afterwards he spoke about Eretz Yisroel. Rav Zal writes, I asked Rav at the time, when you spoke about Eretz Yisroel being so great and so important, what did you mean? In other words, Rav couldn't believe that he was referring to the physical Eretz Yisroel that, that, that he knew at the time. And Rav Zal writes that Rav seemed to get angry at me. And he said, I mean this Eretz Yisrael with these houses, with these apartments. Meaning that this that he spoke so elaborately, so greatly about the benefits of Eretz Yisrael, for a person who wants to come close to Hashem, he was speaking specifically about this physical country Eretz Yisrael, which people travel there. And he wanted that every single Jew, a person who wants to be a real Jew, should travel to Eretz Yisrael. should make sure to visit Eretz Yisrael at least. And even if a person has major obstacles to achieve this, the person should strive to overcome all the obstacles and to go to Eretz Yisrael. because that's called winning. Winning. Winning the battle is when a person is eager to come to Eretz Yisrael. And Rav Nassim writes, this is what inspired me and gave me the encouragement that I needed to overcome the many, many obstacles that I had, innumerable absence, obstacles that I had when I wanted to go to Eretz Yisroel. And Baruch Hashem, Hashem helped me to overcome all of those obstacles and the Bilbulim and to, be zorcha, to come to Eretz Yisroel and to return, to come back home also b'shalon. In Rabnosan Zal's Sefer Yemei Maranat, the, in the bi- biography, the autobiography of Rabnosan and in the, the book <clears throat> Through Fire and Water, you can have, see the details of Rabnosan trip from when he first wanted to go to Eretz Yisroel until he finally succeeded, and everything he went through on the trip, on the way there and in Eretz Yisrael on the on the way back. Interesting to note, that just like Ezra HaSoyfer, Ezra HaSoyfer was one of the greatest one of the Nevi'im, of the prophets of Klav Yisrael. The Gemara compares him to Moshe Rabbeinu, and the Sifrei Torah that we have today are in his merit, the Sefer Torah of Ezra HaSoyfer. The Gemara points out that he waited, he waited, he did not go to Eretz Yisrael until his Rebbe had passed away. His Rebbe was Baruch Ben Eriah, and it was only during the time that his Rebbe was living, he felt that that was his Eretz Yisroel. That was his, the source of Kidusha of Eretz Yisroel. When his Rebbe passed away, that's when Ezra Sefer went and he took with him all the Jews that were willing to join him in going up to Eretz Yisroel. Now, Rav Zal continues again speaking about this Rosh Hashanah when Ben gave this incredible sheer chapter 20 in Likud Imran, and Rabbein Zal writes, it began the way he usually did, after Tashlich, when it was starting in between Mincha and Meirev, when it was starting to get dark, between the first day and second day of Rosh Hashanah, and Rabbein Zal says, I was sitting very close to Rabbein Azal, and I, I was looking at him, watching him very carefully, and I saw that when he quoted the words in the Zohar HaKadosh, Tisha Tikunim Yakirin Ismasrin LeDikna, that there are very there are nine very holy Tikunim that were given over to the beard. The word Dikna means beard, and the word Nik Dikna means elder. Rabbi Nezal was was pulling on his he he said those words BeKoychayis Gedoylois Maoid Maoid. He said the words with such incredible power to the point where it looked like his soul was going to leave him. And he said it with incredible vazed, yira, yira trembling. And Rabbeinu S.A.L. says to the point where I can't even describe it. And Rabbeinu took hold of his beard several times and was pulling on his beard in a strong way when he said these words. He te- spoke about these nine tikkunim that the Zohar Kodesh speaks about related to the beard. Rav Nosan Zal says, we already mentioned in another place, that Rav said that whenever he had to speak publicly, whenever he had to say Torah publicly, when he was about to say the first word, he would feel like his soul was going to leave him. There's a posik Nafshi yotze bedabroi," my soul comes out in my speech. And so too, when Rabbi Nizal made Kiddush, there was also that feeling that his whole, his, it's not just words coming from his mouth, it's coming from the depths of his heart. Mamesh, this concept of nafshi bedabroi, that his soul is leaving him in the words of tefillah. And Rabbi Nizal writes, when he gave this particular shir, I saw it with my eyes. I saw the incredible Mesiras Nefesh that he had, that he was spilling his guts when he was saying Torah. Just like we mentioned, the Zohar Kodesh says, there's a pasuk, hoiragnu kol hayoim. Hashem, we kill ourselves for you all day. And the Zohar Kodesh says this refers to tefillah, that when a person is davening, it's not something that a person is supposed to do in a, in a relaxed state. When a person is davening, they're supposed to put their heart and soul into the words to really put power behind the words of tefillah. By Rabbein this was not only by tefillah, but even when he was giving over Torah publicly, they saw that his whole nefesh was coming out in the words of Torah that he was saying. Rabbein Zal adds now, regarding the discussion about Eretz Yisroel, that once when Rabbein was talking to us and telling us the incredible obstacles and dangers that he had when he was in Istanbul and and before he came to Tz Yisrael, the major sakona that he went through, Rabbein Zal said that we, his students, will be able to get Tz Yisrael easily. We will not have the kinds of obstacles that he had. And if we'll want, we'll be zoeche to get Tz Israel easily. However, however, we have to be willing to experience suffering and to overcome obstacles before coming to Eretz Yisroel because the Gemara says in the beginning of Brachas that Eretz Yisroel is one of three things that's given to a Jew with Yisurim, with suffering. Then Rabbi Yisrael once also commented there are people whom it seems to them that they want to come to Eretz Yisroel but it's only if they be able to come with con- in convenient way, easily, without pain, without struggle, without difficulty. But Rabbi Nezal said that's not called wanting, because a person who really wants to come to Eretz Yisrael has to be willing to walk to Eretz Yisrael, as, as Hashem told Avraham, Lech Go to Israel. Lech lecha means berag lecha, with your feet. And here we know, our Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld told us that one of the great Breslava Hasidim of the previous generation, who Rav Rosenfeld was very, very close to, interesting, they shared the same name, Tzviarieh. Rav Rosenfeld's name was Reb Tzviarieh, and the name ben Ziyan was added when he was a child, when his life was in danger. And one of the great rabbis added the name ben Ziyan, The person who was speaking about now, his name was Rabtsvi Arye Lipel, Zichorin Lavrocha. He was a (coughs) Breslover who originated from Poland and came to Uman. And everybody that knew him said that the name Arye, Arye, Lion, was very obvious by him. He was a person who was very powerful, physically very strong, and he was one of the Oyvdim in Uman. He was one of the people who winter and summer would go out at night for three, four, five hours in the forest in Ukraine, in Uman, in Breslev, in freezing weather, minus 16, minus 30, and be there for three, four hours screaming to Hashem, koilei koileis, in Hisboididus, in Tefil at the time. And this Ritzviari Lippel, Zucham Rocha lived in Uman for a while, and then at one point realized it's time to go to Eretz Yisrael. He didn't have money for a ship or anything, so he said, "Avram Avinu did it, I could do it too, and started walking to Eretz Yisrael from Uman. And he left, and he traveled, I believe, I don't know all the details clearly, but if the, the, some of this is written down, is documented, that he traveled for a few months... And then he realized it's getting close to Rosh Hashanah, and he has to be in Uman for Rosh Hashanah. So he walked back, he went back to Uman. And this happened more than once, that he set out on the trip and then couldn't bring himself not to be in Uman for Rosh Hashanah and went back. Until finally, one last time, he left and he did get all the way to Yisrael. But I remember hearing from Rav Rosenfeld that he walked, he went through Mongolia, he went through all kinds of interesting places, and went through different experiences. He was thrown off a mountain once, and, and he made it to Eretz Yisroel. And, and in Eretz Yisroel, he was known as this Aryeh. He was known in, in Meiron, he, he had a deep love for Meiron, and would travel there often, and in Miron, people would hear him saying to Tehillim the Tikanakloli, they heard a lion roaring. And he was the person who was reiched to be makarev <speaking> Reb <in> Shmuel Shapiro, of Nebrachah. Reb Shmuel Shapiro was one of the most outstanding students in the yeshiva Eitz Chaim, which was known as the best yeshiva in Yerushalayim at that time, under the leadership of Reb Isser Zalman Meltzer, the father in law of Reb Aaron Kutler, Zechat Sadik Livrocha. This was one of the best yeshivas, this was one of the highest, highest places, and Reb Shmuel Shapiro was one of the best students there, and he grew up in a Yerushalayim family, nothing to do with Hasidus. But at one point he met Reb Tzviari Lippel, and he saw a completely different league of serving Hashem than what he knew. And through him became a core of Tzibreslev, and also became one of the major Oyvdim in Jerusalem, who was outstanding in Torah, in Tefillah, in Shmira S'habris. The non-Breslev tzaddikim in Yerushalayim would turn to him for brachos, for pidyonos, and he was a student. He looked up to Rabbi as his mashpia. This was the one who was mekaravim to Breslev. Talking about Messira's Nefesh to get Teretz Yisroel. I remember towards the end of his life, Rutsveri Lippel couldn't wear shoes, his feet were swollen, he wore slippers. But again, you saw that this person in his youth had been a, a lion. Rav Zal adds one more point related to this Torah that after Rabbanes Al said the Torah, he said jokingly, there's a Yiddish expression when they want to say a person's talking nonsense, they say, He's talking for fire and water, meaning nothing he says makes any sense. He's talking about fire and water are complete opposites. You can't compare fire to water. So Rabbein Hazal said jokingly that in this I spoke for fire and water because in Torah he speaks about the fact that this neshama, from whom all the explanations of Torah come from, in order for this neshama to be able to receive Torah from the Shekhinah, this neshama has to have diburim that are like hot coals, fiery coals. And in addition, in this chapter on the Kutumam, Rabbeinu Sal also speaks about Moshe Rabbeinu striking the rock and being able to bring forth water, the waters of Torah from the rock. So again, in this Torah, he spoke about both fire and water. Now, in paragraph Tezain 16, Rav Nosanzal speaks about chapter 21 in Likud Imran, which is a chapter where he speaks about the seven seven rungs of the Menorah in the Beis Samikdosh and how they correspond to the Menorah that we have in our face. We know that the 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 Torah says that a person would go to the Beit Hamikdash to see the face of Hashem, pene Hashem, and the Menorah is referred to Yehiros pene Hamenorah, the face of the Menorah. A a face has a mouth in the center, two nostrils, two eyes, and two ears, like the shape of the Menorah in the Beit Hamikdash. In fact, the Halacha tells us that today a Jew is not allowed to make a menorah of seven rungs, to make a copy of the menorah in the Beis HaMikdosh. The menorah that we have on Hanukkah has eight candles to it. The person is now allowed to make a replica of that menorah in the Beis HaMikdosh. And there, Rabbein speaks about purifying these different parts of the the head. And and Hazal says there that each and every Jew according to how the degree that they purify themselves in this world, and according to how hard a person works in this world to try to understand as much as they can about Hashem, about Torah, that will determine in the future what the person will be Zorcha to understand. And Rabbi Nassau commented that there are certain things that a person can do in this world, certain mitzvahs that a person can do in this world, through which a person is Zorcha, that even in Olam Haba they won't stand still at all, they'll keep climbing from level to level and constantly be achieving new makifin, constantly learning new things. Now, in Chapter 21 in Likud Imran, Rabbeinu Zalver also makes mention of Miriam, about the fact that Miriam, the sister of Moshe Rabbeinu, spoke against Moshe Rabbeinu. She spoke to her brother Aaron a Loshon Hora against Moshe Rabbeinu. and she contracted leprosy at the time and Aaron Akim pleaded with Moshe Rabbeinu, please be mispowered for her that she should be cured and he said tehi so that she shouldn't be like, like a, a dead person that when he comes out of his mother's womb half of his flesh is gone and Rashi Kodish and the other struggle to explain what that means. In that chapter, in Imran, Rabbi Nezal gives an incredible, incredible Chiddush. Rabbein Sal explains, based on the Zohar Kodish, based on the Arizal, that if a person, if a man passes away without having any children, then if he has a brother, the brother has a requirement to take that widow this widow did, that did not have any children with his brother and, and the, the, the living brother has a mitzvah v'yibum to take his brother's wife and marry her and try to bring a child into the world that will, that will keep up, that will perpetuate the memory of the brother that passed away. That child that's born, is given the name, is named for the brother that passed away. We're told that in the case of Air of er and Oinon, the sons of Yehuda, that, <coughs> that one of them died, Er died, and Oinon refused to perform the mitzvah of Yibom, and, and therefore he died also. So Rabbenaz the Kodesh says, but what happens here is there's a problem because this child that's born is actually the the soul of the the brother that passed away by by giving the name by naming this child that's going to be born to this bro, to, to the living brother and the widow that that's actually the brother that passed away coming back down to this world but what happens is now the woman who was his wife previously is now his mother she's the one that gave birth to him if she's his mother, she can't be his wife. He can't marry her. So where is his wife? Where is his zivug? And, and this is the meaning, this is what's meant in that posseh. She should not be like a person who passes away. And half of his flesh is missing. He's missing his zivug Because he's, he's come down through this process of yibum. And Rabbeinazal goes into a whole deep discussion explaining this. Rabbeinazal says, study this over there in chapter 21. And Rabbeinazal says there's incredible things related to this. Because Rabbeinazal here was hinting to his daughter Miriam, who was the daughter-in-law of the great Tzadik Reblebish Mivolichisk. And this tzaddik, Reblei Volochisk, traveled, he left Ukraine and he traveled to Eretz Yisroel and he took all of his sons with him, including Miriam's husband. And she was forced afterwards, Rabbein Azal didn't really approve of this. Rabbein had different reasons why he felt they should not go to Eretz Yisroel at the time. But because her husband left, he went to Eretz Yisroel, she ended up following him to Eretz Yisrael, and several years after Rabbein passed away, her husband died and she went through Yibum. At that time, Yibum was still being performed and she received Yibum from his brother. And Rabbein was alluding to this in this Torah on Yikuti Any questions? Rab Nasan, what did you say are the things you do to purify yourself in this world so that no one no, no, can really go up and up and up? The answer is, I didn't say. Rav Zal does not mention what those items are. And, and I, I don't know if Rav Zal revealed it. He simply said that there are uvdois, there are certain uvdois, which a person performs in this world, which enable the person to be zecheh, even in oilam haba to keep climbing from level to level and to achieve new makifin all the time. This this concept of these new makifin is discussed in chapter 21 in Likut and it's also discussed in several other places. One of the main places is chapter 7 in the second half of Likut which we're going to be speaking about this evening. This evening we're going to have a suda here in Eretz Yisrael in memory of Rav Rosenfeld, of Sudas Suda, and Bahashkocha, I'm hoping to be speaking about that chapter in Likut I hope we're going to record it, and could be in that discussion, could be some of this will come up. I believe possibly, I believe now that we're talking, I believe possibly what it's referring to, there, Rabbi Nezah speaks about the fact that, that mm. every Jew has a responsibility, the first mitzvah in the Torah mm. is to perpetuate mankind, to see to it that when I leave the world, I leave something behind, I leave children behind or students behind that carry the, my knowledge, my wisdom, whatever recognition of Hashem I had, they continue living with that recognition of Hashem and passing it on to the next generation. Because Rabbi Nezal says over there, physical body, a human body, is not yet considered a human being, an odom. Odom means a person who has das, a person who has recognition of Hashem, that's called odom. And Hashem wants us to perpetuate Adam, to see to it that even when we leave the world, we, that number one, while we're living, we're speaking to friends, we're speaking to children, we're speaking to students, so that we're sharing our das, our recognition of Hashem with them, so that even when we leave the world, that das remains in these children, in these students. And Rabbein Azal says there that the more a person does this, the more a person empties their mind into other people, the more they, they avail themselves to receive new knowledge from Hashem, new makifin. And, and th- by doing this, the person is fulfilling what the prayer of, of Dovra Melech, where he said, Hashem, allow me to live, to be living in your tent in worlds. Worlds is plural, two worlds, meaning that I should be able to live in both worlds, that even when I leave this world, I continue to live in this world. My words continue to live. I'm still teaching Torah. I'm still spreading recognition of Hashem. And this a person accomplishes when they leave behind students or children or recordings of their divrei Torah that continue to be played. So even though the person is no longer physically living in this world, they're teaching Torah. And if they're teaching Torah, again, they're emptying their brain into other people, they're availing themselves to new makifin all the time. And this is one of the things that my Rebbe, Rav Rosenfeld, was reichet to. He spent major, major part of his life teaching Torah. He, he enjoyed, he loved sharing his knowledge with others. And was at a certain point, to realize the value of recording his shirim, This is, we're talking about the 1960s, when there was no such thing just about, started recording his shirim, and Baruch Hashem, we have possibly about a thousand of his shirim that he gave on Likute Moran, the entire Likute Maran, on going through all the stories of the Navi, going through all the stories of the Gemara, in Shas, En Yaakov, about 360 shiurim on those stories, <coughs> and also going through Shvochei and Sih Chesoran, the first volume of Rabbi Nezal's teachings. He was hoping to go through all the forum, all the Brestle of and give shuram in all of them. But Baruch Hashem, he was like to record these. We have these Shuram on our website. We've been privileged to invest thousands of dollars and we're not finished yet to 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 uh, purify to edit those Shira meaning to improve the sound quality to make it easier to listen to and and we hope that this Torah perpetuating this Torah is allowing his neshama to continue to go higher and higher in that chapter now in chapter twenty two in Lidimran, which we made reference to previously. It seems Rav Nassim Zal is not going exactly in order in this section of, of Chaim Aran. There, Rav speaks about a person blowing shoifur. He quotes the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, where it speaks about a person who's in a ditch. They're in a ditch, 10 feet down, 20 feet down, and the person blows the shofar in there. And the Gemara speaks about a person who's standing outside that ditch, up above, and they hear the sound of the shofar, <coughs> but sometimes it's hard to tell whether they're hearing the actual sound or they're hearing an echo of the sound. And Rabbi Asal in that chapter, in Likut Imran, explains the secret behind this concept of an echo. Why did Hashem create this concept that when a person is speaking in a certain type of location, in a mountain or in a ditch like this, that sometimes when the person says something, there's an echo. A, a double sound that comes out of it, and how the echo works. And Rabbein at the time commented that there's a question on something that that he said, that Rabbein said. Because Rabbein writes over there in chapter 22 in the Kutimran that a person who is not attached to the tzaddik like flesh attached to bones, then that person is not able to hear the actual sound of the words of the tzaddik. They only hear the echo. <clears throat> and Rabbein Saul included this, he related this to that Mishnah. But in that Mishnah, the Mishnah says, if the person hears the sound of the shoifar, even if the person is outside the ditch, he's way above, if, he's, if what he's hearing is the sound of the shoifar, then he gets credit for the mitzvah of listening to the shoifar. If he heard an echo, then he doesn't get credit. And Rabbi Zal said, the Mishnah here is speaking about people who are outside, people that are bachutz. they're outside. And Rabbi Zal had explained that those people who are outside, it means they're not closely attached to the tzaddik. They're not like flesh on the tzaddik. They're, dis- they're more distant from the tzaddik. So then how could it be that the Mishnah says that by, even by them it's possible that if they hear the sound of the shofar, then, then they're okay. And Rav Nossenzel says that Rav Nossenzel did not go into answering this question and he said, <coughs> anyway, we don't understand this whole concept completely that well. However, Rav Nossenzel says that from, from what Rav said, it seems that even a person who is not really close to, to whose, whose body, whose flesh is not closely attached to their neshama, meaning that the, the, the neshama is pulling in one direction and their flesh is still pulling in a different direction, or a person who is not close to the tzaddik, the tzaddik is the neshama of the world, we are compared to the flesh and blood, if we're not really close to the tzaddik, like flesh being close to the neshama, still, if the person will really push themselves and try as hard as they can to listen carefully with every iota of power that they can to listen to their neshama, to listen to what the neshama is saying, or to listen to the words of the true tzaddikim, then there's hope for that person that that person can hear the true sound of holiness. However, it takes this extra effort. It takes a person really wanting this and really fighting very hard to listen carefully, just like it says in the mission over there. Because a person who's not, who a person who's blowing shofar outside, there it doesn't take any major figuring out if you're hearing the sound of the shofar, it's pretty obvious that you're hearing the sound of the shofar. You can tell whether it's the sound of the shofar or or an echo. It's only when the blowing of the shofar is done inside of a ditch or something like that, now it requires figuring out what am I really hearing? Am I hearing the actual sound or am I hearing a copy of it? And Rav Enazal explains this over there, that a person who's blowing in a ditch, meaning a person who finds themselves in a deep ditch, in a very low place, and there that person cries out to Hashem. Remember, the sound of the shoifer is supposed to be an expression of us crying out to Hashem. The person cries out to Hashem over their sins. There it requires this havchana, this being able to... To, to see carefully if they're hearing the actual sound of the shofar or not. Because such a person, even if they're not actual busser if the person will try really, really hard, they'll be able to hear the, sound, the actual sound of the shofar. Whereas a person who, who elevates their flesh and blood, they overcome the materialistic desires of this world, and they see to it that the flesh and blood should be subservient to the neshama, they see to it that the body is following the lead of the neshama, or a person who really makes every effort to come close to the true tzaddik, that person doesn't have to struggle. They they don't have to figure out what they're hearing, because that person is definitely hearing the sound of Kedusha. Rav Zal says, this is how I understood this whole discussion. One more comment on that chapter on the Kutimaran, chapter 22. There, Rabbeinazal mentions he quotes the pasuk, Hein Yitain Bekoiloi Koil Oiz. In that chapter on the Kutimaran, Rabbeinazal introduces the topic of Azus Dikdusha, holy Azus. We know the Gemara tells us two things about Azus, two seeming, two contradicting messages the Gemara says, az legehenim, that a person who has chutzpah, a person who is brazen, it's a one-way ticket to Gehenim. And on the other hand, the Gemara says, Hevi az kanomer, that in order to come close to Hashem, in order to start your day, when a person goes to sleep at night and they want to get out of sleep, they want to start their day, it takes azus, it takes, not, it doesn't take, it takes gvura strength strong as a lion and it takes Azus. It takes brazenness. Because the Yetzirah Sahara says, who do you think you are? You think you can be religious. You think you can talk to Hashem. You think you can be spiritual. You think in this world it's possible to 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 become very spiritual. And a person needs Azus Digdusha, a certain brazenness to say, I don't care what he says. I don't care what anybody says. I know that this is the mission of a Jew in this world to come close to Hashem. And this is what the tzaddikim tell us and I'm going to follow their guidance in order to live the a proper type of life. So now the question is, this Azus, the, on one hand we're told, As ponem and we're told, the Gemara says, nitna Yisrael, she'azenheim, that the Torah was given to the Jewish people only because we had this Azus. And there are two interpretations of this. One interpretation is that the Jews are the greatest mechutsaf and we have the most chutzpah. And therefore we are the ones who needed the Torah most to tame us, to calm us down, to control our chutzpah, our Azus. There's another interpretation that is that the Torah was given to us because we showed brazeness. We showed that we weren't afraid. We had guts. The other nations, when Hashem offered the Torah to them, their response was, one minute, first I have to see what it's all about. I I can't sign on a document without knowing exactly, who knows, maybe it's not for me, maybe it's too hard for me, etc. And sure enough, because they showed that attitude, Hashem showed them something which they would find difficult, and they said, no, 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 it's not for us. We're not interested. It was offered, the Torah was offered to all the other nations. When it came to Hashem offering the Torah to the Jewish people, the response was, Naseh Venishma." Naseh, first of all, where do we sign? We're committed. We agree to fulfill everything it says. Now, when you have a chance, you'll explain to us what this is really all about. They showed such a level of trust in Hashem and a level of guts, a person who's not afraid to jump into something without checking it out carefully. This is called Aziz Dikdusha. And Rabbi Nezal says in that chapter that in order to come close to the Tzadikim, it requires this Aziz. It requires this Aziz Dikdusha. The Pesach says, Nehalta v'ozcha el nevei kotshecha. Hashem, you led the Jews with oys with azas That's how they came to the close to the holiness, to the seven shepherds of the Jews, to the tzaddikim. So Rabbeinu there speaks about azas and he says that one of the places where a person can display this azus is in their coil, in their voice, speaking words of Torah, words of tefillah. That's how we show our Azus. Based on this posig again, hein yitain bekoiloi koil oiz. He gives forth with his voice this oiz, this strength, this power. The first letters of yitain bekoiloi koil oiz spell the word Yaakov. We know that we are referred to as the children of Bnei Yaakov, Bnei Yisrael. And Yaakov Avinu is praised for his coil, Hakoil, Coil Yaakov, v'Hayodai midei Esav, that Esav's Oiz, Esav's strength is in his hands, his fist, his sword, fighting with his hands, Al and the power of Yaakov, the coil, the Azus, the Oiz of a Jew is our coil, koel, the koilos of Torah and the koilos of Tefillah, singing Tashem, screaming Tashem. So Rav Nossam writes that Rav said over there, when, when he spoke about this, he said that even the sound of coins clanking when a person is giving tzedakah, and in those days mostly they used coins, silver coins, gold coins, the sound of the coins rattling when a person is giving tzedakah, that's also a form of azus, a form of azus dikdusha. Here again, this takes strength sometimes, this takes brazenness. person worries if I give away money. What about me? I, I can't give away my money. What am I, I, I going to have? And it takes a certain oiz, it takes a certain strength, and it takes a certain azus dikdusha for a person to be willing to be mekayim this mitzvah of tzedakah. The next chapter that Rabnosen Zal refers to in paragraph Yud Ches, paragraph 18, he speaks about the chapter in the Kutimran, Amts' Isa Alma hechakoi. This is one of the debates that took place between the wise men of Athens debating against Rabbi Yehoshua ben Chananio, who was called Hakima de Yudhoin. And they asked him, Show us the center of the world. Where's the center of the world? And the Gemara says that he said a name of Hashem, he pronounced a name of Hashem, <coughs> and, and he was suspended in mid-air. That was one of the miracles that he showed them. Regarding this, however, he said to them, right here, right here is the center of the world. So they said, prove it. He said, no problem, bring me rope, and we'll measure it, and we'll see that this is the center of the world. And this is one of those discussions where it's hard for us to understand what in the world are they talking about? What is this really all about? And in this chapter on Likut Imran, Rabbein presents <coughs> some of the deepest... I'm sorry, I'm, exactly. Rabbi Shuman Menchanyes, he lifted up his finger and he said, this is the center of the world. They said, prove it. He said again, bring, me, bring rope and you'll measure it. In this chapter on Likut Imran, Rabbein begins speaking by saying, da, you should know, sheyesh oyer, that there is a light which is above nefesh, ruach, neshama, an incredible high-level light. And this is referred to as the oyer ein soif, the infinite light of Hashem. And even though we can't achieve it, we can't understand it, our mind races we try to reach up to it. We try to, to constantly try to go higher and higher to get as close to we can as it. But in actuality, we can't actually grasp it. We can't hold on to it. And in this chapter, Rabbi Nezal speaks about performing mitzvahs with simcha, which is how the Arizal got to his level. And Rabbi Nezal presents incredible, incredible deep concepts in this chapter on Yikutu Maran. Rav Zal in Likutei Aloches expounds on this and gives, as usual, a magnificent explanation showing how the concepts in this chapter apply in our serving Hashem. So Rav Zal says this shear was given in the summer of the year 5,563 on Friday night, during the Friday night meal and Rav Zal said this with such yira and with such hislavus to the point where the people couldn't understand at all what he was saying. He was so on fire when he was saying these words. It's only afterwards, after Shabbos, <coughs> that it was written down in Rabbeinazal's handwriting with Rabbeinazal's words. Rab Rabbeinazal received this Torah from Rabbeinazal. We find that by, by certain great Sadiqims, sometimes there's such an incredible level of hislavus where it, it's difficult to bring it down to put it into physical format in a manner that we can understand it. Rabbein Hazal once said that all of the Torahs that he taught us were brought down thousands of levels from where he first received that Torah. The level on which he received that Torah was thousands, he, he shrank it thousands of levels down in order for it to be able to be presented to us in the manner that it appears in likutim Moran, was Sipurim Any questions before we close? Reb how do we know a uh, Madriga, a level? How do we know a level, like higher levels, like as you speak of, uh, in terms of our distinction of where, what a level is? Uh, I mean, thank you. I, we, I can give examples of this. You have a child who starts learning Torah, They start with learning letters, then words, then they go on to learning sentences, then they learn Chumish, they start with Chumish, then a higher level is to learn Rashi on the Chumish and and Rashi script, a whole other level. Then the person goes to Mishnah, then the person goes to Gemara, then the person goes to the commentaries on the Gemara. Rashi, Toisvis, then there's, there's these are just within the framework of Torah alone. There are levels and levels that are defined. And within the, within the four descriptive levels of Torah, there's Pshat, Remez, Drush, Soed. There's the f- simple translation of the words. There's the hints. There's the 13 formulas by which Hashem has given the rabbis the ability to expound on the Torah. And then there's the secrets of Torah, the Kabbalah, the secrets of Kabbalah. And and even there, there's higher and higher, levels and levels. The Arizal speaks about a Jewish soul, that a person, there there are again levels. There's nefesh, there's a person who is zolchot to a nefesh. Then a person who gets to a higher level can be zolchot to a nefesh and a ruach. And then a still higher level is a person who is zolchot to a nefesh, ruach, neshama. And within these levels, within neshama, there's levels and levels. The Sifrei Kabbal expound on this, speaking about the different levels. This, these are different, describing different levels of recognition of Hashem and of closeness to Hashem, of a person getting closer and closer, where the soul is is leading and the body is subservient. Thank you. Sure. Good morning, Rabbi. Uh, I just have a question on that. Um, could you please elaborate on that um, with the concept that I'm not sure if I understood this correctly. Somewhere I read that. Rabbi Nachman the level of Yechida. Is that correct? Correct. And how is that Not just Yechida, but Yechida shebi Yechida. Rabbi Nassim writes, the Arizal said that during his time he couldn't perceive anybody achieving the level of Yechida, which is a level above Neshama. Above Neshama comes a level called Chaya, and above that is the level of Yechida. And Rabbein said that he achieved Yechida of Yechida and he continued going higher. They were still higher than that. We're talking about Tzadikim, Tzadikim who, who don't stop and Tzadikim who draw on the powers of the previous Tzadikim. It's not that the Tzadik is starting from, from nothing. We, Moshe Rabbeinu was in the world. <laughs> Moshe Rabbeinu made his impact on the world. And all the tzaddikim that came afterwards, all the prophets that came afterwards, drew from Moshe Rabbeinu. And then you had Rabbi Shimon Barich who, who showed that in certain respects, he said Moshe Rabbeinu dreaded the day he was passing away. He tried very much to push it off. And I welcome this day, and I control this day completely. The sun is not going to set, until we finish, until Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai gave the shear that he wanted to give on that day. So Rabbi Shimon Bar showed that, in a sense, he's continuing from where Moshe Rabbeinu left off, and so on, the tzaddikim afterwards, climbing on the shoulders of the previous tzaddikim and taking things to higher and higher levels. And one of the reasons is, because as we, Klal Yisroel, go lower and lower, as we go further down, down, we need a higher and higher level of light to be able to repair us, to be able to connect us to Hashem. Thank you. Wishing everyone a wonderful week. Those that will join us in person and those that won't join us are included, all included. The Torah that we learn is all based on what, the, the quality time that I was privileged to listen to Rav Rosenfeld's Acheron of Racha. Hashem should help that his alias neshama when, when a person, when a Talmud Chacham has an Aliyah, those that are attached to him share in that Aliyah. We should be able to share in his Aliyah, to, to, to get to new levels of emuna, Yerashamayim, Tfila, Toira, Be'ezurah, to, to merit the coming of Moshiach, the be Samitosh, Meher V'ameinu, Amen V'amein.